Hello, everybody. Open this up in our headphones, Charles. Ooh. Yeah. All right. One of those. <laughs> hello. Oh. My computer's frozen. There we go. Hello, 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 everybody, one and all. Welcome to yet another very exciting episode of the Friends Talking Fantasy Podcast. My name is Charles, and with me today, as always, is my lifelong friend and co-host, Dylan. I'm ready to talk some fantasy with my friends, Charles. Yes, we say the plural friends again today because we are joined by the one, the only, M.D. Presley. He is a screenwriter, blogger, occasional novelist. His new book, The Fantasy World Building Workbook, is out now. You can check him out over on Twitter at M.D. underscore Presley and also on his website, mdpresley.com. Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you for being on today. Thank you so much for having me out. And man, it is weird to hear your name, like MD Presley, MD Presley, like <laughs> all those things. Like if that didn't get like hammered home, I, uh, yeah. what's the name? What's his name? Yeah. yeah. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. Sure. Of course. Well, yeah, people have to know you've got all these exciting things you have going on. I know Dylan and I have been following you like before we ever turned started FTF. And then now you have your new workbook out, which is really exciting. You know, we're big fans of like, dissecting world building and randomly generating stuff and having these all these world building prompts we're super excited to get into that but before we do Matt is there anything else you want to say about yourself before we get started oh god no that's like the worst question an introvert can ever be given like would you like to discuss anything yes yourself oh no never yeah um I guess the, the quick blurb is uh started out as a screenwriter um and spent a long time uh working as a coverage manager. So I managed coverage for screenplays. So I had a team that was reading screenplays, thousands of them, and kept seeing the same mistakes all the time. And eventually moved into publishing, fantasy publishing, and through Spiffbo, yeah, got into world building and, uh, or the self-publishing fantasy blog off, Spiffbo. Yeah, anyways. Um, and anyway, so that turned into this world building book, which is significantly more successful than any of my fantasy, my, my other fantasy series. So here we are wow. doing, doing world building stuff. Sure. Well, that's an interesting transition. And that, that actually makes me want to ask you this question. So you started out, uh, screening screenplays. How do you go from screening screenplays to all the way writing like a, basically a world building workbook like what what was the transition from like film to fantasy novels uh well it was uh, because all of my producers were smart and did not ever green light any of my big fantasy <laughs> ideas because <laughs> because also you understand like fantasy just recently became cool on tv and stuff like game of thrones yeah. broke yeah. that door open it's for the witcher mm-hmm. and all those other things like their wheel of time no one would have considered wheel of time 10 years ago when right. i was doing screenwriting right. so Self-publishing, I was like, oh, I'm going to write some books. I would like finally get those big ideas out. And, um, and then I went, it was like, I'm not playing the, the, publish, the, the traditional publishing game, of, which is the same thing pretty much of writing or screenplays of like letting producers like, we'll do this, don't do this. You know, then I was like, no, I'm just putting it out on Amazon. And, um, and through that, I got it, it, uh, into um, I met all of the self-publishers, the, the authors that are out there, which is very amazing community. And mm. yeah, we kept talking about world building, but we don't have a, a shared vocabulary of what is good huh. world building. Like it's all scattered. And so I started looking at the theory behind it. And that's what got me into this nonfiction book. Um, yeah, it was kind of bizarre that it, it, it you know, because if you're really into fantasy, you're going to write nonfiction, right? Right. Well, <laughs> it, it seems like you have an interesting, like, career approach to it where you've been analyzing all these different stories over and over again. You start to recognize the patterns and then you start to put these theories together. And like you said, the, the bookish community online is, is so great and the indie author community is so accessible that you can start to, like, compare notes in such a way. And it's, it's a really interesting idea. Yeah, it, I mean, I, just shout out to everyone in the indie community because they really is—it's mm-hmm. not zero sum. Like it's like, hey, let's let's all do this together. Like 
so many of the people in my writer's group, if that one person discovers something, we all know it within minutes and mm-hmm. we're all helping each other out. And that's truly amazing. So, yeah. Yeah, that is amazing. And you do, ooh, Matt, you have your own space that you've carved out here in that I think is a all ships rise with the tide type situation where you're trying to help other folks, indie authors or people traditionally published too, who want to figure out how do I make my world more expansive, more interesting? How do I flesh it out? How do I make it something that readers are really going to gravitate towards? So you've become someone who is uh, a writer's writer, if you will. <laughs> yeah, that's that's like being a comedian's comedian. Like, yeah, that, or a musician's musician. You're like, yeah, but, but I want the money. Like, I want everyone to like. Yeah, but, but, yeah I mean, I, I very much appreciate it. But yes, that's uh, a very well, poor way to live. That's <laughs> well, what the Souls Harvest books are for, right, Matt? As soon that's as for everyone. Whenever they, yeah, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, it was, it was like, I went down a checklist of all the things not to do. It was like female protagonists, like nonlinear storyline, like, you know, <laughs> grim dark. Like, mm. Oh yeah. Like <laughs> no one wants to read this. This is un- unpleasant. So yeah. uh, I have learned from that mistake. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Tell me about some of your fantasy influences. Cause it seems like even throughout your career, you were always a fantasy enthusiast. Like what was it about fantasy that, kept you interested for so long and like are there any particular series that you would cite as or authors that you would cite as big influences on you um it's funny because I'm, I'm very non-gaiman-esque but gaiman um i remember i was like 17th birthday party someone gave me a copy of sandman and i like mm-hmm. kind of left and just started reading Sandman. and it wasn't even the first one it was like the second book in the the graphic novel oh right and and yeah. it was it was just mind-blowing like because you know fantasy before had been you know, swords and, you know, you know, spells. And, you know, I, I read Sword of Shannara before I read, um, before I read Lord of the Rings. So like, it was just like, mm. yeah, it was, you know, but that's, that's what, what fantasy was Conan, you know, I mean, there was obviously other stuff, you know, and, uh, but those were the things that, that I had read and, you know, it was, and then just this idea of like, there's this other world right underneath your own and, you know, urban fantasy. And then I was really, mm. really lucky at 19, I got to like been several hours with Gaiman for for over a several day wow. period and he came to, to talk to our school about comic books and no one <laughs> in this no one signed up for it like wow. I wasn't in the class yeah they called it like like sequential art so I had no idea to sign up for this class okay. and then they're like we brought this Neil Gaiman in and I was like oh my god and they're like well and no one's going to go to dinner with him I was like well I'm going to dinner with him. so I wasn't even in the class it was me another student and the you know professor and Neil Gaiman and then That's awesome. wow for the next several days, it was like got to hang, you know, spend time with him around the campus. So, anyways, he was a huge influence. That was a long way of me bragging about how I got to meet Neil Gaiman for a couple of times. But yeah, <laughs> no, that's um, a great story. It's, no, it's hard to cool. think how much it's how much the landscape has changed just in the past couple of years. I'm sure now Gaiman has to like fight people away mm-hmm. now that the Netflix series is coming out. So that's so cool that you were able to have that moment. Yeah, it was it was really great. And then and we got to talk to him, and you're like, what you know, what should people read? And he was like, Beowulf. I'm like, I bet you were working on that script right then, you know? <laughs> right. Um, yeah, it was just so many of the things that, yeah, it was, it was really cool. So anyways, he was a big influence to me of just like, this is, fantasy isn't the traditional stuff. You can do whatever you want with fantasy. Yeah. And like this, you can have this mind-blowing scope of stuff that, which is what he does. So like, he, he made fantasy three-dimensional uh, when it had been two-dimensional before to me. Um, so that would be wow. my, my major answer on that one. And I really do like urban fantasy and the stuff that was coming out in the Vertigo line of comics at that time of, you know, there was a, the, the John Constantine, that kind of stories. Um, mm. yeah, so. And by the way, he was, Neil Gaiman was really great because I barely knew anything about the comics. And I was like, hey, that Constantine guy that you write about, he's really cool. Like, he was like, well, you should probably talk to Alan Moore about that. And like, I'll just hop right on that, you know, just <laughs> yeah, hop okay. right over and you know, we'll just chat, you know, but he was, he was so nice and, and, you know, cause I was this still not snot nosed kid, but I was in awe and, but I had no idea yeah. what I was talking about and he was very sweet about everything. So. Oh, that's good to hear. Anyway, <laughs> he seems like yeah. a nice guy and he's an interesting one for the conversation of like world building and fantasy, because mm-hmm. like you said, he, he tells his own story in his own world and even across books I've always like one of the things I love most about Gaiman is his like 
the atmosphere that he creates the yeah. almost it's like supernaturally kind of even with like american gods you you get the sense that um there's this atmosphere around everything that's going on it's kind of weird and bizarre and maybe slightly uncomfortable at times but always it like makes you super fascinated about what's going on too you see somehow managed to capture that and it's so interesting to compare that to like other people in the fantasy community and it's like yeah world building is a much wider conversation than just like you know swords and sorcery castles houses things like that right yeah he, he makes the the mundane seem epic or like mm. puts mm. a little new twist on it and like, yeah of course so yeah that's really <laughs> interesting so like at, when you were back in the days reading all those screenplays and you mentioned you kept seeing mistakes over and over like what are some of the common mistakes that you would see reading some of these some of these writing prompts that made you go like someone needs to like <laughs> put some theory behind this so we don't make these mistakes again <laughs> oh man that's like um there's so many of them um like <laughs> switching uh, genres midway through um not getting your genre out and within like the first little bit like you need to you know um like what is the story that sounds dumb because like but no you need like you need to solidly tell the audience what the story is and then you can play with it but then like mm. oh and then i'm gonna do this and like not abiding by by the three-act structure is i know that sounds so stupid especially for screenplays because everyone's supposed to but like you they it's there for a reason like we process stories in in a fashion and so you can break the rules but know the rules first and man what was another big one oh miss <laughs> this one is so petty loose versus uh lose like Everyone in the screenplays <laughs> will misspell that one. Like in, wow. in light lightning versus lightning. Like you would uh, like, not believe the number of times you see that those specific typos. Uh, I'm, you know, my readers would just scan for them. So yeah. Uh, no pun intended. I am shocked that lightning comes <laughs> up so frequently in in writing, uh -huh. I guess, in the screenwriting. <laughs> like, well, because you write visually, yeah. so you're always like lightning flash and like lightning flash. Yes. And yeah. it's one of those things where Spellcheck will be like, that's correct. And yeah. then you won't even catch it ever again because it's not underlined. <laughs> and does not becomes does not very, very quick with just a one, you know. <laughs> right. uh, and and, and Spellcheck's like, yep, totally okay. <laughs> Oh, spell check. Yeah, it's, it's funny how that <laughs> happens. But it, like to go back to what you said about like following the three act structure and understanding the rules, I, I do think people are looking to try and write new stories, something new and different. And that puts pressure like they think that what they have to do is break down narrative structure and stuff. But the reality is like the authors that are successful in doing that and that are successful in like switching genres, like you've said, it comes from an understanding of like how storytelling works and how readers process stories, right? It's like, I know that this is how the three X structure works. And by understanding that I know how to like hit them with twists and turns and, and know when to introduce new plot lines and things like that. And it's a, it's like, it's what makes those people that do that like the masters because they fully understand how the theory works and then they can add their artistic spin to it. It's for certain authors. Like I'm trying to think of like, you know, Abercrombie does that for me and Sanderson too, the way he introduces plot lines and accelerates things it, like watching those two, like tell a traditional story, but somehow also be able to, mess with your expectations and change things up and accelerate things at, at times you weren't necessarily expecting it, it's it all comes from understanding of theory yeah i was i had just finished uh the first one of miss born and it was like mm. they, okay it was like he um and i was about to do a video breakdown of this but like the um the way he did the prologue was um uh, I just lost uh, setting up the uh, info dump equity. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, this guy's—he's just hinting at a power. Mm -hmm. This guy's got like, how did he just slaughter this whole thing? You know, mm -hmm. like, so here's the hint of the power, and like, and now we've brought in the, um, you know, the chosen one orphan like combines <laughs> trope, and then and she is going to be a vessel so that we can do all the world building. And like, now let's tell her about this, i.e., feed it to the audience through a soft impart, like spoon feed it to mm -hmm. the audience. But the audience is like, no, tell me more, like. How is she going to get this power? Yeah. Like, what can she do with mm. this? And like, and now let's go to the next trainer, and they will teach her this. And like, huh. it's so effective, like just masterfully done. 
Yeah, yeah this one it almost does a has a yeah. Go ahead, Dylan. Yeah, it almost has that like video game feel to it. Does Mistborn, where you're, she goes to different mentors and they teach her different things, and now she's acquired a new power. And I'll say that the element of world building I think has always been most interesting to me, and this is why I do gravitate a lot towards Sanderson's work are magic systems. And I know you've gotten into magic systems before. Uh, I see you got into it in world building for fantasy fans and authors and creating comprehensive magic systems. Uh, what what kind of things do you feel like characterize a comprehensive and great magic system? I know Sanderson has all sorts of laws, but we want to hear your take. Too, well, actually, well, actually, that's what my, the next world building book is going to be about is specifically oh. magic systems. Um, Tease. I and how to build animals and like creatures and stuff, but um, huh. because it was supposed to be a um, appendix of of the the workbook, and then it was like fifty pages long, and I was like, I'm still just scratching the surface of this. Like, <laughs> There's uh, a lot to say about magic systems yeah, and like but they they kind of go on um, a a um, not a they like stages. So like at first you start off with like just mentioning what it appears like. So it's appearance, abilities, limitations, and then costs. And you don't mm. need it. And I would have thought all good magic systems have a cost. And they don't. Like Airbender doesn't. Huh. Like Harry Potter doesn't. The yeah, Force yeah. isn't. Like it's, it's mm. kind of amazing how they don't have costs. And Sanderson's don't have costs. Um, from the, I mean, like Mistborn, like doesn't have a cost. I'll be like, yeah, I have to take the you know the stuff, and I have a have a yeah. unknown amount of energy, but it's you know, or if you overdo it, right? If you yeah. But, yeah, so you know, anyway, but yeah, so but it's not, but it's more of a level system, which is the third form. Mm -hmm. And that means that, like, once you get to this level, you've unlocked these powers and you pretty much have unlimited use of them in that um, time period, you know. Of yeah. it. And so it's about how creatively you use them, which is Sanderson's point of like his second law of world building is, you know, limitations are more important than powers. Mm -hmm. So it's how you, and which is Harry Potter, which is a leveling system. Mm. Each year they learn some new spells. You know, but they're always, and this is one of the things that's cool about leveling systems is you're always fighting someone who has a higher level. And then you are using your powers creatively to get around it. So like the Harry Potter kids with only three years of magic training are you taking on Death Eaters and have to use their Accio well to figure out something and bring me my broom so that I can do this. So that's that's mm -hmm. the third stage is level powers. And, and yeah. so anyways, there's there's kind of a hierarchy of um of how not there's a progression of how how magic systems work and and like if you have a like a soft uh, point system which is like the middle one like mana which is we all know from video games is like mm. mana resources so you can you know but you can cheat that one and then use make it into a cost system of like well I can do the spell that I normally shouldn't but I'm going to need all these things these you know special equipment and extra time mm -hmm. and then I can do which is what the show Buffy did all the time was like hey Willow needs to cast a spell or like we need to cast a spell but we're going to have to go get these things first and that's the episode it's about getting the things so <laughs> anyway yeah. sorry that that was a I could just blow up that question and spend like three hours on that. So I'm going to try to. It's almost like you're writing a book on it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I spent a lot of time thinking about this. Yeah. And, and, and it's all based on uh, Sanderson's four. There's secret, there we, mm -hmm. we talk about three of them, but there's secretly four. And it's all based on those. And then the four C's of world building, like they all like align perfectly. Interesting. And so I think that, so I think that there's really something behind it. Like um, my first book on the, you know, for fantasy fans and author, um, that was all based on other people's theories. And um, like, it wasn't just me talking about world building because that's what everyone else does. Like all the other books out there are like, well, this is my system. And um, so I, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to look at everyone's system, give everyone the mm. tool, all the readers, the, all the tools in the toolbox, and then you can pick and choose which ones you want to use. And the, my workbook is more of my system, but more of, you know, like, take these things and use them. And this is what works for me. Like, you know, so, and that's, so that's why this magic system thing is, is more me is more of my, my theories. And so I've, that's why I'm a little more uncomfortable. I, I, I feel, I feel safe in them mostly, but I need to think them out a lot more than <laughs> I have already. So anyways. Oh, that's, that's super interesting. Yeah. Because I mean, magic systems are, are like, a very unique part of, of writing fantasy. And it's so interesting to see how all these different stories 
are all kind of you could start to develop a theory when you look closely enough it's like oh yeah for example like you know the, the idea of limitations and it's like well sanderson is kind of working them in but it's it's more about leveling so it's interesting to kind of dissect that and then take that and put like some of your favorite books through these lenses like harry potter for example i never thought of harry potter as a leveling magic system but it makes a lot of sense yeah <laughs> especially when you look at the years you're like oh my god they actually spell out the levels like, in third year we're yeah. going to learn this yeah. Yes, yeah. exactly right. <laughs> and and I and I don't think she was um, conscious of this. Like, and yeah. actually, when I was talking to Michael Sullivan about this, like when I finished, like, I gave a presentation of this to some other authors. And when I was done, he was like, "So what's the point? Like, why do we want this stuff? Like, you're taking the mm. unconscious process and making it conscious. And you know, and it, does that kill the creativity when you start like kind of doing it by a by a number system? And like, well, it's not supposed to do it by a number system. I I firmly believe like in the unconscious process, but you know, yeah. you can like, if something's not working, it's, this is like psychology. Like, you can, like what's not working? What can I find? And yeah, therapy, I know. Right. <laughs> I was like, well, you said yeah, the words. So I have, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'm getting my PhD in counseling psychology right now. And uh, Freud is not uh, <laughs> the most popular these days in our modern way of thinking of psychology, but that making the unconscious conscious is uh, exactly what he thought that insight was something that gives you more freedom and that you actually can heal from your suffering in that way. I, d I don't know how that applies necessarily to uh, writing, but I would think that there's some sort of uh, like, once you know the tools in your toolkit, then you're able to say, oh, like my unconscious process would want me to go to a hammer right now. But actually what I need right now is a, the equivalent of a screwdriver. And you start being able to see what you're doing for what it is rather than just kind of like flailing wildly because not everyone has uh, uh, what it, uh, rolling experienced with writing uh, Harry Potter, where if you're looking for this uh, like success in fantasy writing, it might need more conscious process. And we know that's exactly what Sanderson does. He's all about making these rules and techniques. And it's hard to argue with his success in applying that and teaching it. I was very much surprised at how unconscious it is for a lot of people, like the world building and like so much, I've, I figured there'd be a lot more top down designers out there. And like I was doing the, um, what was it? Uh, Corn Con, I was, I was doing the world building panel and, you know, had some great, like uh, Evan Winter, um, uh, Andrea Stewart, you know, Bone Shard's daughter, like, you know, some, yeah. you know, uh, anyways, had some incredible authors up there. And, and then it was like, okay, how many of you guys are top down? And like, so, you know, like half of them were top down. The others like RJ Baker, Barker was just like, no, I don't know. Nope. I just make stuff <laughs> up on the, you know, on the fly and, then, you know, hope that that was what it was, you know. And, no, it's interesting. I mean, different processes work for different people. I, 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 it makes me think of when I studied music theory in college and it's the same thing. It's like, oh, like these chords sound good next to these chords and it's part of these scales. And like they have it down to a number system. They assign chords numbers and things like that. And it's all patterns. And you can look at Bach and be like, he was a genius. But then you look at someone like Paul McCartney, Paul who, McCartney can't even, yeah. uh, who can't even read sheet music. <laughs> <Can't> read. <laughs> so it's like, it, it's there's different kinds for everyone. And it's just the understanding of it. And then again, it's like you understand the rules so you can break them. You get people like all these impressionists who are famous for composing these beautiful pieces. And you're like, they break every single rule, but they do it in the most fascinating way and you know and that like that's where like the art comes in so it's it's all part of the process right mm -hmm. having these theories and like understanding it it helps you kind of put an idea to studying it and theorizing it's like art as well you can take a whole bunch of art classes and like improve and do better and appreciate the theory and then you can also learn how to break those rules and and you know it, it's just more tools in your toolbox as a creator yeah, and that, that's what I think a lot of this, uh, a lot of my system about the tools and specifically is like in painting, like yeah, we're learning how to paint these certain things. Like what you're going to paint with it is you and that's your creativity and that's where you mm -hmm. show your creativity. But, you know, this this is how you do a still life. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. and which is one mm -hmm. of the reasons I, I will build a new book, a new uh, world every week is it's just, it's fun. Like, and it keeps my mm -hmm. world building sharp. And yeah, there's to... You know, just to do this thing and like, oh yeah, I could do that. Like, 
yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not going to be able to write a book about all these things, even though I kind of want to go back for some of them, but like right. the, uh, that, yeah, it just keeps the process. It's, it is one of the things that uh, Neil Gaiman has said when I met him many, 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 many years ago was, um, you know, whenever you're stuck, write a, um, whenever you writer's block, um, write a sonnet. And he was like, it's mm. short, it has rules, so you have to follow the rules, and you show your kind of creativity in it, and then it just unclogs the creative process. And then you can get back to working on whatever it is, but just, you know, take a few hours, write a sonnet, because that's, that's what Neil Gaiman does. He just writes a sonnet whenever he's feeling a little mentally cramped. So you just, uh, you know, As you it. do. Yeah, not, but, you know, I, I believe that. <laughs> I'm not so surprised <laughs> that Neil Gaiman writes sonnets to, to, to get through his creative blocks. That's funny. Yeah, of course he does. But, um, but that, is, that is one of the other things I really much, I very much like about rules and stuff. And it's specifically sonnets um, because um and which goes back to the screenplay structure and stuff is like you show your creativity by kind of following the rules in a creative way. Like, you know, this is how you do 14, you know, lines of a sonnet. I hope it's 14 lines or a haiku or something like, right. but you did something special with that. Mm. And um, so rules are not a bad thing, but strictly adhering to them can be, but. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, you got to know. Sorry, yeah. Sorry. Being too conscious, <laughs> so you got to know where the lines. You right. got it. You got it, Matt. Go. Yeah. No. Yeah. Being too conscious can be a problem, um, but if you. But I also think that you need to be conscious for the editing process. Um, you know, you write unconscious, edit conscious, which is better than write you know, write drunk, edit sober. But you know, so it's hmm. um, which I do not advocate. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's yeah, it's the idea of letting your creativity happen and then polishing it up make sure it's you know something that a wider audience can appreciate and digest and like just going through the editing process and maybe tweaking something based on a certain theory uh could vastly improve your unfiltered thoughts you know like i see that happen all the time through the creative process it's like oh that's what you came up with but then if you apply this rule all of a sudden it blows everything open you know it, it's it's through that theoretical process that you can do that Mm. Yeah. I've, and, and it's I've always thought no, please please go ahead <laughs> yeah well I've, I the way you've been talking about it I've always thought about the phrase you gotta know where the lines are to color outside them and I think that's a a huge element that I see from the world building that I really love is uh, they understand a lot of these things that we're used to they provide us with that and then they put their own twist on it in a way where you say oh wow this is uh, this is interesting because it's juxtaposed against something that we're used to and that's something i think charles is getting at abercrombie's writing i think that he does really well where you see that that twist that just makes it slightly askew and then you're like oh i didn't even know you could take this formula and then go that way and it sounds like that's a lot of what you're encouraging with your world building work is well yeah understand the rules the common language and then say whatever you want in the common language yeah just use the right word I mean like you know we own a thesaurus well, we don't, we haven't built into our computers and the internet, but you know, yeah, you used to have a thesaurus so you could have the right word for it. So yeah, that is uh, kind of what I was hoping for. But then Thanks. you ask someone like Stephen King who, who I think it's his mm. quote where he says, any word you have to find in a thesaurus is the wrong one, which I always thought was a <laughs> interesting, interesting quote. <laughs> there, I mean, I have to say there's um, Chris Knight is one of my favorite musicians, the country singer and like, I don't think that man owns a thesaurus, but my <laughs> God, his song, like it is the simplest words and they are the right words every single time. Mm, so right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so what I'd want to do now is talk more specifically about your fantasy world building workbook, which was just released August 12th, just last week at the time of this recording. And mm -hmm. what I'd like to know more about you, you say you have all of these world building prompts. So but how would someone use this workbook to, is it someone who has their world already and they're looking to improve on it? Or is it someone looking to build one from scratch? How do we use the world building workbook? I'm glad you asked that because it uses <laughs> both methods. Fantastic. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, most authors, I mean, there's a continuum between top down as in you design everything ahead of time and then the bottom up if like you write and you're like, eh, what do I got? You know, and the, most people are somewhere in between the, those two extremes. So, Daniel Potter is probably on the far, far top, bottom mm -hmm. up. Um, but uh, 
he, I have a quote from him in there about that, about his process. Uh, but cool. um, anyway, so I look at it in, in both processes and um, have, you know, this is, this is what a top down can do. This is what a bottom up can do. And you're going to use both of them at some point in time, because no matter how top down you are, you're going to have written something like, oh, that's a really great idea. How am I going to expand on that? And then if you're bottom up, like even, you know, you have a general idea of what you're doing and Funny thing about um, bottom up is each word that you write constrains you more into the world that you've built. And so, mm-hmm. you know, which and constraints are not a bad thing, especially in world building. Um, in fact, they kind of are necessary because otherwise it's that flight of fancy, you know, anything can happen, randomized, the magical realism kind of thing. But mm-hmm. anyways, um, so each chapter in uh, the workbook, it looks at it from both perspectives of what you can do. Um, bottom up a lot of times is, you know, taking these things and then figuring out what you can do with them that you've already done, which is why I grab, um, several ideas out of my bucket each, each week to build a new world is that's the bottom up process. You have these things and how do I put them together? And, and then top down is like, well, I plan this and then I can build out, I can extrapolate out from that way. So the, the book tries to teach both, both methods. Uh, in each section, like like antecedents is like, well, if you have these ideas, then what caused them, and then what's going to happen because of them? You know, that's the extrapolation and the antecedents. Um, and yeah, so it's, um, and it and it's also the book is set up so that it's kind of choose your own adventure, even though you can't legally say that because they own the rights to choose your own adventure. Really um, you can't, can't market your book as choose your own adventure. Um, by the way. Is that like the goose the goosebumps books on the? Because I remember those are called that. The public, are they? Kid. Those goose, yeah, the goosebumps. They used to have the. This is not relevant to world oh, no, but they really used to is. have these goosebumps <laughs> choose your own adventure books i'm pretty sure they marked them that way when i was a kid i don't know maybe All they're owned by the publisher that has the rights yeah <laughs> maybe i don't know yeah so anyways but i'm using that that yeah. method of like you know whatever questions that you actually pertain to you so it's not like you're just going through the book reading all the questions um all the prompts like you know like well i've got a biological idea you know like i've got monsters in my book so like let's look through the biology section and these are the sections like i can skip this whole section because this doesn't pertain to me moving on to the next one and so it's got a kind of choose your own adventure way where you can like just jump to these sections you use it as like a reference for whenever you have question like trying to test certain things about your world building and things like that. And it will, the book will guide you through the different sections. And Hopefully. Like <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, but the, some of the authors that have, have used it have, have enjoyed being able to, because it, then it also makes you consider things that you hadn't, you know, like, you know, Oh, I've got this creature and they're like, well, how, what is its life cycle? Like, does right. it, does it have a metamorphosis? Yeah. Like, is it from an A, like how long do they stay with, are they herd mm. animals? Like, you know, so things that you might not have considered, but that were probably not deal breakers for your world. But the more you know your world, the, the, the more realized it seems to the audience itself, I think. So, mm. uh, so yeah. And then there's the wonderful section of, so you've written yourself into a corner and uh, how, to, <laughs> how to extricate yourself from, you know, contra- having, when you invariably contradict yourself within your own world of how to, how to mm-hmm. get yourself out of that corner in the first place uh, or not get into that gotcha. corner in the first place, I guess. Yeah. Wow. So, Do you see... Do you see people reading this mostly flipping around the stuff they most need or reading it front to back? What do you think is the best way to use the fantasy world building workbook? I'd, I'd like them to read it from front to, to middle, which is where the prompts start, sure. um, you know, just to get the basic, um, not the basic, but like, you know, this is what a Bible is. Like, this is the things mm-hmm. you can put in there. You don't have to. Um, and just so that you have the you know, the, the, not the background, but, you know, something, the, the foundation. So then you can, you know, then when like, now they can build the, the skeleton up and put all, pack all the meat on there after you have the, the skeleton idea. Uh, and like, these are things I'm going to want to use. Like, this is, you know, like me considering uh, extrapolation, you know, a little bit more. So, yeah, I mean, I'd like them to, I'd like them to read it like that. I just want them to buy it, honestly. I, but <laughs> it, it works really very, well. <laughs> that's the I, Joe Abercrombie way as well, as he's always saying, like, oh, just buy it. I don't care what you do with it. It's like, you use, use as a yeah, paperweight. I'm like, what reading order should I do this? And he's like, read all of them. He's <laughs> like, no, like, buy all of them. <laughs> buy all of them. Read them in whatever order you want. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah, and, but, and that's true. That's. I mean, yeah, exactly right. And 
So you read it through the middle, and then you you say you have over 750 world-building prompts. So yeah. mm-hmm. how what is a world-building prompt, and how do we use them? Oh, well, it's really just. The and why do we need 750 of them? <laughs> you don't. That's more. You need more, Charles. 750 <laughs> plus. Yeah, it's well. It was actually 800 and something, but at that point, I already had the cover made, so it's like I'm not <laughs> going. Like me and cover artists are like. <laughs> yeah uh real clashing <laughs> oh man it's, i was gonna say like oil and water but it's like two flammable things that just ex- I, I have very terrible luck with with cover artists anyways um looks great which, though oh thank you yeah yeah one, it does yeah. except that he wouldn't do my uh cover for the hardback he just refused to so i have a different looking hardback mm. that i mm. did myself and i'm terrible at it but <laughs> anyways um I was oh, trying to figure out. Sorry, what was the question? The prompts. So, <laughs> how do we use the prompts? Why are they here? What is a world building prompt? Oh, it's, it, I mean, it's just the questions about your world. Um, most of the other books that are out there, like, are the, the question, there are a lot of other books out there with prompts, and you can actually just go online and probably look up some prompts, but they're not organized very systematically. Mm-hmm. So, that's one of the problems is like, hey, you know, um, so so that's what I kind of did because there are eight, uh, six, I keep saying there's eight, but there's, you know, six kind of types of fantasy conceits that uh, happen. And um, so then I made sure that, you know, these are the ones that are under geography. So these are the ones that are under biology, magic, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that you, you know, A, can find the ones very easily to that involve your world. So you're not just, you know, like looking at things about architecture when it doesn't matter to your, to your world at all. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that, that is, they, they're organized for ease of use and uh, they're not, I guess they're not really prompt so much as that, you know, they're not to inspire. They're just to, I guess, focus, focus the world by making you consider things you hadn't. And mm. um, yeah. And yeah, I really think, I mean, this sounds dumb. Like I organized them, like how groundbreaking was that? I, who would ever have thought of putting them all into sections that are you know, easy to find uh yeah that that is my great contribution to the field right there <laughs> no it's super fascinating and it, it makes me want to like you know buy a copy myself and, and, and go through all i, I see it's uh, available mm. on kindle unlimited as well which is fantastic yes. and uh you know scrolling mm. through all, all all the different prompts just to see how you've categorize them because it's like you said it's like i built this creature but then when you ask me the question like what is its life cycle does it move in herds then you're like oh I could make it move in herds and then there could be later a pack of them that come out and then now the character has to do these mm. things you know so it's like this just this creative energy that this book the potential that this that this book can generate is uh it, it seems really exciting it sounds like you know you how long did it take you to come up with all of these prompts because it sounds like to me you you've had to put a lot of time and thought into dissecting all these things like have you sat with this material for a long time I, I actually it was a year ago that I started it and wow. and but I, I try to like write a rough draft and then then try to do try to have like two things going at the same time so that you're editing one and then writing and mm-hmm. and then I had some screenplays that had to finish for some folks uh, in the middle of that so like anytime you make a plan God laughs and then something else <laughs> happens so mm-hmm. it, it, like I had given up on screenwriting and now I'm a working screenwriter again. And it's just like, okay. Like, and now and all I want to do is write books. And, you know, so now this <laughs> thing that I dedicated my life to for 15 years is in the way of the other thing that I want to do. But um, mm. yeah, so, so this, I think when I put it out, I had finished or had started the rough draft a year previous. And like, you think of more questions, you run across someone else's questions. You're like, Oh, that inspires these ideas, you know? And yeah. So they kept, I kept adding to it. Oh my God, I kept adding to it. And until it, till I eventually just had to walk away from it. And then I, I think I've thought of like three more since I released the book. I'm like, all right, next version of the book, we'll add some more questions. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I can, it's just one of those things that sounds like it's never ending and you're working on the magic systems thing as well. So it sounds like you've really kind of written yourself into this wonderful like niche for the like fantasy theory like fantasy writing mm. theory which I, I find super fascinating you know Dylan and I are like have always kicked around this idea of like a fantasy like history <laughs> theory you know this idea of like what came before what and you know putting like actual theories to that and it sounds like you've already gone a long way in carving out this theory for for authors 
and I even see here that you you know you 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 call this series Forging Fantasy Realms, and you have a hundred and one world building prompts that are are free for people. Is, is that something that people can go on and just download and and just start playing with right away? Yeah, please. I mean, it's it's that's the primer. That's the uh, that's the first. That's the sample of heroin that's supposed to. Right, uh, get that's your the taste. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and yeah, just one hundred and one questions. Actually, it's it's significantly more than that because it's like questions, sub questions. So um, and then it's got a little bit of a kind of the background of like these. What a fantasy conceit is. It's what an analog culture is. Fantasy functions, which is how you plug them together. So yeah, it's it's just a it's just to demonstrate that I know what I'm talking about. You know, mm -hmm. everyone, please, please go get it. It is free everywhere. Um, yes. And yeah. And nice. so cost you nothing to see if you like it. And yeah. And then, and then the, the first book, the world building fantasy fans and authors, which I have to look at it every time. Cause I, otherwise I'll screw up saying my own title. Um, that one's more, that one's a lot more theory, uh, which some people don't particularly like. They're like, this didn't help me build the world. They're like, yeah. Cause it says in the opening chapter, this is all the theories and stuff. Mm. You know? So yes. Right. Right, it's part of a collection, and then it, it, this is all kind of the groundwork for. It sounds like it's going to be. I, I don't want to like give the scoop, but it sounds like it's going to be the groundwork for your your magic system stuff, and who knows where it will take you from there. This will hopefully be yeah. a never ending series of of different <laughs> aspects of the fantasy world, and just for for years you'll be you'll be making more and more headway in theorizing all these fantasy elements of a good story. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to get back to writing, soon, but yeah, that's that's the that is the problem with the nonfiction of like it was fascinating. Also, nonfiction is so hard to write. I mean, like yeah, fact checking sure. it, and then and then the, you have to write in the literary present. Like I didn't know that was a thing. That's you know, <laughs> and, like, and I did it partially, but not all the way. My poor copy editor. Oh, <laughs> anyway, see. God bless from Chris Sander. If you're you're not listening to this, but you were you're, you're Shout yeah. Out to Chris. <laughs> the guy's busy trying to edit your copy for your next thing. He's like, oh, this guy. <laughs> oh yeah, this guy. This guy. Yeah. I mean, he he his his day job is writing for the uh, like copy editing for the government, like manuals and stuff. So oh. like that's yeah. He mm. he is exacting. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably what you need for that role. It certainly is. Yeah. None of this like. I mean, yeah. Anyways, uh, sometimes I try to write, you know, much more um, uh, relaxed, you know, bloggish. And he's like, no, that is, that is not academic. That is, no, that's not how you do. Mm -hmm. That is so, an incomplete gotcha. <laughs> So are you working on anything uh, fiction? Can we expect a new um, fiction fantasy book from you sometime soon? Yes. Uh, I'm actually going to relaunch my uh, Soul's Harvest, which is a flintlock fantasy mm. analog of uh, the American Civil War, um, with, but, you know, with psychic exoskeletons and stuff. Um, you know, as so, you do. So, so better. Um, yeah, as you do. <laughs> and, um, but I never got to finish the fourth book. It's been written. And then I had some health issues that, that threw everything off. And so that's why I focused on this world building one, because I couldn't get back into the, the world. And so I'm relaunching it so with with it all finished so i'm gonna do that finally and then and then this then move on to an urban fantasy uh world that mm. i have had in my head for more than 15 years so it's finally time to get it out wow. great now that you've got all the theory yeah, you can finally take that idea and actualize right. it <laughs> yep. yeah I mean, i'm gonna have to build a magic system ahead of time just so i can you know because <laughs> it's yeah it'll be fun I, I, hopefully it'll be it's a it's a kind of almost murder mystery uh, series of, but with uh, mm. urban fantasy and different magic systems each time that you have to kind of figure out and huh. figure out the, the, so yeah, it should be very crunchy and uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's cool. It sounds like you made the magic system a part of the mystery elements of it, which I, I think something that's really admirable when people do awesome world building is they find a way to ensure that it's always synthesized in the story and that the characters are really grounded in it. They can find that way where uh, it doesn't just feel like its own gratuitous thing. It feels like an inherent part of the story that you're telling. And it sounds like that's what you're going to be doing. Yeah. That's, that's, and, and Michael Snow did have a good point when he talked about making it too conscious, like when it mm. is too conscious, you're like, well, I got to include this. I made it up. Like uh, Jemison says, like, don't inflict your suffering on others. You know, like, You've you've spent all this time mm -hmm. on the world building, so like well, everyone wants to know about it. Then. You're like they don't. Yeah, she's <laughs> got a counseling background, so I'm not yeah. surprised to hear her say that. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. 
Man, well, Matt, this is all really fantastic. I think I have one last major question for you, and that is where can people buy all these wonderful works that you've been cranking out, both fiction and nonfiction? Uh, well, Amazon, I'm, I'm one of those Amazon exclusives, um, though that's not true. You can buy the, the hardbacks, not hardbacks. You can buy the um, paperbacks on Barnes and Nobles and stuff, but Amazon, mm. um, MD Presley, you also hit the, the website, mdpresley.com. And uh, that, that, you know, that'll take you to all of them. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's great. So definitely guys check out MD Presley's website, which is beautifully mdpresley.com. Congratulations on that URL, by the way. <laughs> oh, God, it's... <laughs> Yeah, I didn't get it the first time, but I got it the second time. Oh, I got it. Yeah, I know. That's always happens. So that's fantastic. And then check out, you know, he's got the 101 prompts that you can download for free. And then you can go ahead and check out Fantasy World Building World uh, Workbook, Fantasy World Building Workbook, which is actually, I see now, number (laughs) one new release in uh, fiction writing for the genre of fiction writing reference. So congratulations, Matt. Nice. Congrats, Matt. Yeah, you got to find a really small niche. I mean, you got to find that category that's like three. I feel like writing. Give yourself some credit, dude. You're number one. Is a a big deal. So um, congratulations to you. So guys, you don't want to be missing out on this. If you've ever thought about writing fantasy, if you're (laughs) currently writing fantasy and you want to put your world to the test here yeah check dungeon out masters book dungeon masters sure uh, yeah i mean look guys even if you don't care at all just buy it anyway right like come on <laughs> it, it would make a great doorstopper you look good on the shelves <laughs> like any reason to buy it just go for it <laughs> <laughs> well dylan is there anything else we need to say to matt or matt do you do you want to um any other plugs that we may have forgot to mention before we wrap things up? Um, I do actually have a new YouTube channel. Um, that's I right. Believe. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and um, and that's the one where I you know create a new world every week, and I don't even know the name of it. I mean, it's Forging Fantasy Realms. Is that a thing? Anyways, Forging Fantasy Realms. That's the name of the series. Name of the uh, you know uh, also the YouTube channel. Check it out. I uh, yeah. Random. Yeah, I see you with the big trick or treat bucket full of prompts. You know, it's and it, it, you've got a giveaway going on as well. So absolutely, check out the YouTube channel, guys. Sounds like a lot of fun. Mm. Well, I'm glad someone thinks so. <laughs> well, we've tried to do something similar in the past. We've done like what we call friends creating fantasy, where we generate characters and tropes and a book title. You know, because for us, we always thought the blank of blank was such a common book title. You could just pick any words and try and create a story from it. So we've spiritually tried to do the same thing. But now that we have you, Matt, as a reference, we we, we should bring you back and, and, and actually try some of that world building through your lens that you've actually written books mm. about instead of us just taking stabs at something randomly. <laughs> My, my friends and I used to do that back in the screenwriting days of like, the, yeah, just here's a premise, like develop it. And yeah. like, the, the secret of the universe is stuck in a pack of cigarettes. Go. And yeah, and <laughs> yeah. It, was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Was, yeah. Pressure makes diamonds. With those. <laughs> <laughs> no, you never know what kind of stuff you'll come up with. when You have to find a way to make meaning out of a bunch of randomly generated things. So, right. Um, yeah. You have to, uh, Matt, I, I, I know you saw my GIF of Evan Winter, right? Um, yes. Uh, <laughs> so I, I'm going to ask you on air if I have permission to GIF you. Oh, please. I'll have, to, I'll have to find yeah. something fun to do. I'll just, uh... yeah. Well, once you're on YouTube, you're, you're not safe anymore. <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> yes. Dylan probably already has some ideas of things. to. You've probably already done something. You just, you just haven't seen it yet until dylan gifts it <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh now you're you're a friend of the show matt so you you can expect <laughs> gifting that is evan winter uh <laughs> i evan winter i just took that from a daniel green <laughs> interview so we haven't met him but maybe one day that's uh, something to aspire to that's and, right yeah. well, if, if he ever comes back he's he's been hunkered down on book three like just mm. cranking it out so he's nice. yeah but Great. I mean, uh, he, he if you want to talk about a well not just a writer's writer but like he they, so many of the writers you know just like dang <laughs> like evan speaks everyone shuts up because yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, no, he, he we we've been recommended his his work like countless times, and it's it's Dylan's got a couple on the shelf. I think I see yeah, him looking for somewhere. so we're we're big fans, and we're we're hoping to talk about his work on the show in the very recent future. But for now, guys, M. D. Presley, check out his Forging Fantasy Realms series, the fantasy world building workbook out now, and then check him out over on YouTube as well. The fun will never end. There's Hundreds and hundreds of prompts, guys. You, you don't want to be missing out on any of that. And Matt, thank you so much for coming on yeah. the show. We really appreciated getting to learn more about you and your process and then about world building for world building's sake. <laughs> thank you so much for having me on. I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. All right, guys. This uh-huh. has been oh Dylan, you just want to say something before I wrap it all up? <laughs> I just want to yeah, I just want to say I appreciate you coming on, Matt. Yeah, oh yeah, we're huge awesome. fans. Like so I said, we've been following you. your work before the show yeah. ever started. Dylan's been talking about you like well before FTF was a thing. So to have you on now is really cool. Oh, I'm blushing. <laughs> you can hear it over the air, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So ever the audio blushing is great content. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Matt. Really, we do appreciate it, and we're excited for what you got coming up. That urban fantasy sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, a whole lot of other world building stuff to come to, and that magic system thing that's caught my eye. So, <laughs> yeah, appreciate you. Oh. All right, guys. Thank you all so much for listening. Again, MD underscore Presley on Twitter, mdpresley.com, at Forging Fantasy Realms over on YouTube. Check it all out. Thank you all so much for listening. And as always, go forth and conquer, friends. <laughs>